we come to you this morning, God, we thank you and we praise you. God, for all that you do, Father, we honor you for who you are and, God, what you do in our lives, God. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, for what he is doing in our lives, God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you will allow me to decrease, that, Lord, you might increase. We thank you for every measure of faith that you've given us, Father. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that something might be said that might strengthen the faith of those that will hear, Father. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. Amen. We're going to find ourselves back in the Gospel of John, the third chapter. We begin this mini-series with a sermon entitled, That God Knows My Heart. And last week we learned that we must be born again, that there is none righteous, no, not one. And sometimes when we operate and we walk in self-righteousness, we have a tendency to blind ourselves to the love of God. Because scripture tells us that God came to seek that which was lost. He came for the unrighteous, not the righteous. We talked about a fellow last week by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very pious Pharisee. He was stuck on himself. He was the best at education and religion could offer. If Nicodemus lived in this day and age, he would have a PhD in divinity. He would have all the accolades and perhaps would pastor one of the greatest churches in the world because he had it all. He was a Renaissance man, very cultured. And in some regards, I can see how Nicodemus could get puffed up. Because not only does has he have all these great accomplishments, but there's perhaps people that were always lifting him up, always seeking after his advice and, and what he thought. I, I, I can imagine being at the church picnic and everybody looking at Pastor Nicodemus to see what he thinks. And understand that God will deal with us in our religiosity, in our religious efforts that are apart from God. The scripture tells us that there is a pure religion that is undefiled. So religion is not bad. It's just when you have religion without God, that's when it becomes bad. When you're trying to appease God because you cannot please God in your self-righteous state, so today we're going to look at a love that only God can give. We're going to look at one verse, perhaps the greatest verse that was ever written. As a matter of fact, according to some scholars, if you lost all of the Bible, but just had this one verse, it would still be enough in this one verse to get you from earth to heaven. 
You know what that verse is. Let me hear you say it. Amen. Turn to John 3.16. You probably don't have to turn to it, but. Because I ain't hear no pages turning. <laughs> All right. John 3.16, and it reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a guy that I follow on YouTube that goes around the country and he gives money to anybody that can quote a Bible verse. I was shocked when I realized how many people that are walking the street that don't know one Bible verse. I mean, Jesus wept. I mean, they taught me that as a little kid. You know, when you say grace, you can say Jesus wept. You can get eaten faster. You say Jesus wept. Everybody knew Jesus wept. There are a whole lot of people that did not know not one or memorize not one Bible verse. But I was not amazed at the one that was most quoted by people. And that verse was this one right here, John 3.16. John 3.16 is the calling card for salvation. As a matter of fact, John 3.16, you can see at most sporting events, you see people holding signs in the stands John 3.16. At the basketball game, you'll see John 3.16. Well, why is that? Because that John 3.16 embodies the gospel message. Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus. He's still speaking to Nicodemus. And he's, he's explaining to Nicodemus this whole process of being born again. But it means nothing to Nicodemus if you tell him he must be born again, but then don't explain to him how he can be born again. And so this is what, this is what John 3.16 really does. It really explains to him how we must be born again. The first thing that we observe here is that we are the object of God's love. We, we, we are the primary object of God's love. And then the second thing we need to understand is that, is that God is love. You see, we love people. We, we love. But the Bible says that God is love. In other words, it is in his nature to love. And understand that all of us, every last one of us, needs to experience the love of God. You see, because God's love is a sacrificial love. It costs God something to love us. And we, we, we get from this, this verse, this one verse here, the amount of love that God has for us 
But I think that right now what we really need to be looking at is that how much love do we have for God? The verse tells us how much God loves us. But the challenge this morning is how much love do you have for God? What is your love level at? That's not rhetorical. What is your love level at? How can you tell if you're loving God? Well, you can tell as if you're trying to mimic the same love that God's loving you with. Understand, it's impossible for us to love like God. This love is inexplainable. I, I, I cannot explain this love. This is a love that in my human body is beyond me. I can't get to that level of love. But I strive every day to love God more and more each and every day of my life. And then I try to express that through how much I love you. How much we love one another. How much we love our neighbors. Because this is still about evangelism. This is still about reaching out and loving others. Far too many times we sing songs of love. As a matter of fact, there's one by the temptation. The temptation said, I want a love that I can see. I don't want you to just talk about loving me. You see, you see, the, 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 the reality of it is that we don't have a problem with loving each other as long as we're in agreement with one another. But, but, but let there be a rift between you and an individual. How much can you love them then? What, what, what about when folk don't walk in agreement with you? Can you still love them? When they scandalize your name and talk behind your back, can you still love them? When they set traps for you. When they have nothing really good to say about you. Can you still love them? This is what the Bible tells us that we are to do. Because Jesus gave the two greatest commandments. And they were all based upon love. Love for God and love for your neighbor. And your neighbor is everyone you encounter. That's who your neighbor is. Because God loves unconditionally. His love is everlasting. It never ends. Listen here, the Apostle John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loves. And if you look in his gospel and his first epistle, you'll see that the word love appears 57 times just in the gospel of John. And then another 46 times in the first epistle of John. 
So you could safely say that love is on his mind. What he's really trying to convey to us is how, how we're to love one another. You see, because when you love folk, you'll treat people right. You can't just step on people when you love them. You, 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 you just can't, can't run off and run up on people like that when you love them. In 1 Peter, it says that love will cover a multitude of sin. It allows us to put up with some stuff. It's the love that we have. And just like God's love is never ending, and God's love, according to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, never fails. It's not puffed up. It's not proud. It does not seek its own way. But love gives. And here's another key. You probably don't want to hear it. But love sacrifices. There's a great connection between love and sacrifice. Because when you begin to look at the word of God, and you begin to examine how God loves, he always is sacrificing something to prove his love for us. So what have you sacrificed? What, what, what have you given to demonstrate your love to God and your love to other folk? You all mad and tighten the lips because somebody says something that you don't like. Love won't let you do that. Love will let you know when, you, when you're out of order. Because how can we experience this great love that God has given us? How, how can we walk in the compassion that God gives us? How can we walk in the same forgiveness that God offers us, but we ain't willing to offer it to nobody else? You know what that's called? That's called a hypocrite. Because we've experienced the blessings and the benefits of God and his love, his compassion, his mercy. But we don't want to be merciful. Begin to look at other people's sin and judge them rather than love them. You see, because love will cause you to roll up your sleeve. And get into a place to where you can help them up out of their mess. This, this, is, this is what love does. We're so quick to judge folk. We're quick to condemn folk. And Jesus deals with this in the 17th verse of, of, of John. But he said the son did not come into the world to condemn the world. Well, if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, why are you condemning them? John 3.16. Let's, 
different ways of identifying God's love. In John 3, 16, what we note here is the first thing we note that God's love is great. The greatness of God's love. For it says, for God so loved. Now understand, let's unpack this a little bit. Because this word so loved, actually in the Greek is a burning, yearning type love that God had for you and for me. In other words, this is a love where God looked beyond our faults and saw our needs. And he was a great expression of love that he had for us. It was so great that it caused him to give his son. In other words, God saved the best gift for us. Did you not know the Bible said that, that, that we as his creation, we're the apple of God's eye. God has loved us more than he's loved any of his creation. And when you begin to look at creation, and I'm talking about the entire universe, the vastness of the universe, the beauty of the universe, the beauty of this earth, of what's left of it, God loved us more than any of that. And he proved it by creating this universe, creating this earth, and putting it in a habitable zone where we can live upon. And listen, not only did he do that, he, he, he gave us all the resources that we need to live on this earth. He gave us dominion over this earth. You, 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 you don't see no monkeys or, or gorillas having dominion over the earth. God didn't leave it to their charge. And it's us that God breathed. The breath of life. It was mankind that he said, let us create man in our likeness, in our image. He didn't do that with anybody else. It was all because of his love for us. We are his prize, possession. But oh, we messed it up. That's human nature, right? In the garden, we, Adam and Eve just messed it up for all of us. Because they allowed Satan to get in. But listen here, even though Adam and Eve messed up, God still forgave them. God still gave them another chance. And even though he had declared at the beginning that if you eat of this true tree in the day that you eat of this tree you shall surely die God did not kill them right there it was love that allowed him to do that because God had a plan even before the beginning God was showing his love even from the beginning before the foundations of the earth God killed the lamb he sacrificed the lamb because he knew we were going to fall into sin. So God's love is great. We see it in his creation. We see it in how he keeps us. 
how he blesses us. We, we see the greatness of his love. But not only is his love great, but his love is global. For he has said that God so loved the world. Now understand that he's talking about the world. He's not just talking about this material world. He's talking about everything in this world. Psalms 24 says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. So all of it belongs to God. God is our God by his sovereign nature. But he's our Lord by our relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Hear, hear, hear what Jesus is Jesus, Jesus is saying that, that, that everyone is on the same foot. Everyone has the opportunity to accept Christ. And this here, if you stand at the end in judgment, you will have nobody to blame but yourself. Because the scripture said that, that Christ came not to be served but to give his life a ransom for the sins of the world. It ain't just saved folk that, that they benefited from this. It's for everybody. That, 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 listen, that, that, that was Nicodemus's problem. Him and all of the rest of the Jews of that time, because they thought they had an exclusive right to God. Little did they know that God was about to do a new thing. And that he would open it up to the world. As a matter of fact, it had always been opened up to the world. But they were just so arrogant and prideful. And lacked the proper love for their mankind. I mean, if you really look at it, Nicodemus was a racist. I know you don't want to hear that. But he thought it was exclusively just for the Jews. How dare you try and impede on our God? Like they're the only ones that God loved. Yes, God chose them that he might be able to do his work, his redemptive work through them. But they didn't have exclusive rights to God. God is a global God. And understand this, that, 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 that you, you think that, 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 that God don't save folk that's unlike you. You see, because God came for the murderer and the minister. He came for the homosexual as well as the homemaker. He came for the whoremonger as well as the wife. He came for the adulterer as well as the faithful. He came for the fornicator as well as the fruitful. He came for the prostitute as well as the preacher. He came for the drug addict as well as the pharmacist. He came for the Sunday school teacher, the choir member, the deacon, the ushers. He came for all of us. So why we keep trying to live it? The gospel message. I, I, I was moved by, I was watching the program by some Jewish young people that came from 
the United States and they went back over to Israel and they started a street preaching ministry over there. And they would preach in Hebrew that they might be able to understand it, but they would also preach in English. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that we feel as though some people are unsavable. You know, we, we, we pretty much have written Israel off a little bit in terms of accepting Jesus Christ. And don't get me wrong, there was a mad pushback on these young men. The, 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 the worst thing that they could hear was Jesus is the Messiah. And he is the Messiah. He is your Messiah. And he gave his life for you. Yes, even the Jew. Yes, even the Arab. And yes, even that person that's out there in the street. The, the, the one you think is unsavable. You, you neglect to even share the gospel with them because you feel like you're just wasting your time with them. I'm going to make sure I find somebody who's more suitable to share this word with. But God has a global plan. And he, he desires to save everybody in this world. This is still evangelism. But then also we must look, not only is God great, not only is his love global, but his love is generous. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God has been generous in what he's given us. You see, salvation is free, but it ain't cheap. It's free to us. It's by faith, it's by our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be saved. But understand that it costs God something. Romans 5 and 2 says, for God commended or demonstrated his love towards us. Listen here. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he, he didn't wait for you to get it together. He, he didn't wait for you to start coming to church. He said, yeah, when I was yet out there in my sin, when I was making my hook or crook, God still loved me enough that he died for my sins. Yes, he looked beyond my faults. Every sin that I committed, God looked beyond it, and yet he still sent his son Jesus to die for me. Yes, his love is generous. Whereas he gave his only Unique son, because in the Greek, that's what that word begotten really means. It means his only unique son. In other words, there's nobody else like Jesus. There's no one that could have took Jesus' place. He's exclusively all by himself. And it took somebody like Jesus to die for our sins. Why? Because Jesus was perfect in all that he did. He gave his son. There's a story of a family that lived in a city where it's a farming community. 
But usually when times got rough, they would take part-time jobs. The one farmer got a job to where he was, would go to a little shack. And that shack was the controls to a bridge. That he would come and he would lower it so that the train could go by. And one day as he was out there and about to lower the bridge, he noticed that his seven-year-old son had climbed up on top of the bridge and was sitting up there parched. At the same time, the train was coming. And he had to lower the bridge. But he realized that if he lowered the bridge, it would kill his son. So he had to make the decision. Do I sacrifice my son? Do I let all the people on this train die and perish? He had to make a decision. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in that position, I pray that I, I pray that I would make the right decision. But understand this. God has already made the decision. It's not even in question with God. Because God lowered the bridge. And guess what? All of us was on that train. All of us were spared because he did not spare his own son. Every last one of us benefited from Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death upon the cross. Why? Because God's love is generous. He's willing to give, yes, even his only begotten son. Listen here. God is speaking through his son to us. This morning, God's speaking to you through his son. Hebrews, the first chapter, talks about that. He said, God, who in sundry times and in divers manners spoke in times past by the fathers and by the prophets, but have in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. God's love is free to us. By, my, by no means is it cheap. It costs God everything. That's the extent of his love. And then his love is grandiose. Grandiose is the excessive grandness and the expansive and inclusive nature of God's love. In other words, God reached beyond what we can know as limits. There is no limits to his love. Listen to what he says. He said, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Whosoever. My prayer is that you are Mr. and Mrs. Whosoever. He's opened it up. He's expanded it. He's taken us as the Gentile nation and he has grafted us into the family of God. 
And as, as a matter of fact, we come in by the spirit of adoption, whereby we call him our father. Whereas beforehand, we didn't have a father. But now we have a heavenly father that we can go to in the time of trouble, that we can go to and give praise and honor to, that we can go to to find protection and provision when needed. Because he's our father. And I'm glad to know that he's my father, that I have a heavenly father. And even if, even if your earthly father wasn't all what you think he, he should be, you have a heavenly father now that's able and well able to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He expanded himself because he knew we needed it. He came, he came, he came in and welcomed us to the banquet feast. He's called us in. We've been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Why? Because God has expanded himself. He did for us and is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. But here the, the, the operative word here is believes on. Because not only is this text here inclusive, but it's also exclusive. What I mean by that is that if you do not believe, if you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not a part of the family of God. And understand that this is not just a mere belief here. This is not just a, a shallow belief here. This is not just intellectually believing it. It is a belief that produces a change in your life. So, so, so if you have not begun to really examine your life and see, has God done anything in my life? Then maybe you're not whosoever. This takes us examining ourselves. This takes us slowing it down and taking a real assessment of ourselves. This takes us looking in the mirror sometimes before we start pointing the finger at everybody else. Take a look in the mirror, baby. Take a look in the mirror and see what you see. You see, because when you have this love, that's what it allows you to do. You see, because when you love yourself, you know how to do self-care. And some of, us, some of us need to do some spiritual self-care. We, we, we need to do a spiritual checkup to make sure that we are in the family of God. And then if you are in the family of God, start acting like it. Let us start acting like it. Let's start being kind to one another, being affectionate, being compassionate to one another. The place where many of us struggle is loving the whosoever's. Because whosoever ain't always easy to love. Who, 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 whosoever is that person that broke into your house. Who, who, whosoever is, 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 is the crack addict that's out on the street. Whosoever is the homeless person but understand that whosoever is the doctor that's working in the hospital as well. 
All of us are on the same foot. Ain't none of us no greater than one another in the, in the sight of God. Whosoever don't care about your social standing whatsoever. Whosoever don't care what kind of degree you have. It don't care about what kind of job you have, what you drive, where you live at, what your zip code is. Don't care about none of that. Whosoever is for everybody. But you must believe. You must believe unto righteousness. It provokes a change in you. To where you begin to walk out and live out the righteousness that has been imputed unto you. Because that's what it is. That, that, that when Christ died on the cross, he took our sin off of us. And he gave us his righteousness. But, but when, you've really been, when you've really been born again, you're walking out that righteousness. I told you far too many times. God didn't save you to remain the same. He didn't, he didn't save you for that purpose. And then the, the next one is that God's love is glorious. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish. Understand that, that, that all of us are going to die. All of us are going to die. You're going to live, but you're going to live somewhere for, throughout eternity. Either you're going to live in heaven with God, or you're going to live in hell for eternity. That's the reality of it. That's, that's Bible, that's scripture. And no wonder that there's so many people, well not so many, but there are some people out there that are trying to explain away hell. Hell is for real. Here where he said that it shall not perish, some people have the ideology is that this goes against the hell doctrine, but it does not. Because this word here does not mean total annihilation. It means that you're going to suffer wherever you are if you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That you will be eternally separated from God. And that's known as the second death. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And if you leave this earth without accepting Jesus Christ, hell is there for you. Let me clear this up too, because God does not send anybody to hell. You were born predisposed to go to hell. All of us were born on our way to hell. I don't care how good you were. I, you, you were infant, no baby, but no, you're still born in sin. What God did is that God put a stopgap between your birth and your death. And if you will take that stopgap, if you will take that blessing that he gave, you'll escape hell. So stop blaming God for folk going to hell. Because God didn't send anybody to hell. He said, he said that you should not perish, but you shall have everlasting life. And that's the last point, is that God's love is eternal. 
God loves hard and God loves forever. As a matter of fact, Romans tell you that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The Bible said that if you make your bed in hell, his love is still there. God loves you unconditionally, and he loves you with a, with, with, with a love that only he can give to you. But then there's a, such a thing as human responsibility. And what that tells us is that, that, that you have a responsibility as a human to respond to the love in which God offers you. And if you keep walking on the sacrifice that Christ made for you, what a sad commentary for a life. You see, because I'm appreciative of what God has done for me. I'm grateful. I'm always thankful and grateful for what the Lord has done for me, where he's brought me from. And listen, listen I'm going to spend the rest of my life demonstrating that same love to God on how I love other folk. I, 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 know, I know I fall short. I, I know, I know, I missed the mark. But I get up and I pick up the pieces. I repent and ask God, Lord, help me. God, sometimes it's difficult to love people. But God, we, we, we must love them anyway. And it starts right here. Because if you can't love your brother, whom you see every day. How can you say you love God? He's an invisible God. You, you can't touch him. You can't, you can't reach out. He's, in, he's not touchable like that. But here it is. You have your brothers and your sisters that are having difficult time. I was in the church yesterday with the bereavement uh, ministry, and we were talking about that. And and one of the members of the bereavement committee had mentioned the fact that, that there are some time that some people just need a hug. Some, some, some people just need a listening ear. Some, some people just need a compassionate heart that they might be able to share with and talk to. And God works through us. There, there, there's opportunity that God wants to use you. He wants to work through you. That he might be able to, to, to bless somebody else. We all can participate in this. We all can be participatory in, in, in the evangelistic effort of God. So what's the problem? Love, love ought to compel you to do it. Love ought to push you to do it. You, you, you getting all of God's love. We don't want to give out any love. I heard Reverend Register say that God has put in burden of love upon him. And that, and that says something there. That resonated in my, in my spirit. Because what he's saying to me is that he said, listen, here, regardless to what, God has commissioned me to love you. I don't care how much I crack on him and talk about him and this, that, and that. He's still going to love me. That's what he said. <laughs> and let me tell you something. He has not failed. He has not failed. We've had our disagreements, but we still leave each other in love, loving one another. 
God demonstrated his love by giving his life on an old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. He gave his life. He left his home in glory, shed himself of his glory, took on the form of a man and became a servant. He served to the capacity that he gave himself as a sacrifice for us. Yes, they took this Jesus, this man that knew no sin. He didn't sin of his own accord. But he realized that he would be taking on all of the sin of all of us. If that ain't love, tell me what it is. We were all dead and in our trespasses. We were on our way to hell. But Jesus stepped in. And when they nailed him to the cross, nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet, put a crown of thorns over on his head, pierced him inside. And listen, that wasn't the worst part of it. The beating wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it was when they poured my sin on him. When they poured all of humanity's sin on him. He became separated from his father because he cried out, Father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he poured all of our sin on Jesus. He took the bullet for us. He took the death that we deserve. But the glorious news is that he did not stay dead. As I said last week, the same Nicodemus that he's preaching to came and begged for the body of Jesus. They took him and they buried him in a bald man's tomb. The record declared that he stayed there all Friday. All night Friday night. All Saturday. All night Saturday. But early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. He rose victoriously. He rose with love in his heart. So therefore, we can have love. He sits at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And he's coming back again. He's going to wrap it in his church. You better be ready. He's going to come back. He's going to call us. The Bible said that we will be joined with him in the air. We'll meet him in the air. And then he's going to come back and set up his kingdom. And I want to be in that number. Will you be in that number? They'll know you by your love. That's how we'll know whether or not you're in the kingdom. It's by your love. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? Amen, amen. Is there another?
Is there another? Good afternoon, Macedonia. To Pastor Minor and the entire Macedonia church family, we have come in as a candidate for baptism. His name is Lawrence Gully. Lawrence, please sit to your feet. God bless you, man. Listen, I am extremely honored to have you come down and to give your life to Christ. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices in one person. I'm praying that God will change your life for the rest of your life. Because that's what he comes to do. Now understand me. Reverend Register let you know. It's not going to be easy. But understand that it is doable. God can and will do it. If you open yourself up, God will do it. I'm going to ask you to go with Reverend Register right now. And ask you to have prayer with you. And, and <clears throat> have you fill out some paperwork. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The Bible tells us that we are to preach in season and out of season when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. And that's what I'll continue to do because this is the result of it. You see, it's one thing to have people go from church to church, but it's a whole different ball game when people come in and want to give their lives to Christ. That's what it's really about. And that's my whole message, is preaching to the lost. I'm trying to fill up heaven. I'm not necessarily trying to fill up this church. But I'm trying to fill up heaven. I'm trying to get as many people as I can through the gates of heaven. I really am. So we just thank and praise God. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap of praise for that. Amen, amen. All right, it's time to go home. All hearts are satisfied. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Please stand to your feet. Those that desire prayer, come to the throne of grace. When Bill said something today, he said that he believes in prayer. And I too believe in prayer. I know that the scripture says that the prayers of the righteous avails much. So I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to come out and do corporate prayer with us on Wednesdays. 
we, we, we attempted, we're attempting to change the whole format of how we pray and do prayer service. And I would be elated if I would see your face there as we endeavor to be successful in what we do. And it all starts with prayer. If this is the only time that you pray when you come here, then you're missing the mark. Let us go before the Lord. Dear eternal God, our Father, we come to you this morning, God. We thank you and we praise you, God, for all that you do, Father. God, we know how unworthy we are, God. We know, Heavenly Father, Lord, the sacrifice that you've made for us, Father. And God, it was all predicated and based upon our unworthiness, God. Because, Lord, we didn't deserve any of it. But, God, you gave us all of you. And so for that, we say thank you, God. God, we ask right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, that, Lord, you would move in us, Father. That, God, you would stir up the gift that's in us, God. And, God, more specifically, that you would stir up the gift of love that you've given us, Father. Because along with us receiving you into our lives, God, you bring that love with you, God. So I pray, Hep, that we would show forth that love, God. That, God, we would get over our grudges and our issues, God. And that we'll realize, Heavenly Father, Lord, that there is safety in your word, Father. If we would just walk in your word, Father. God, we thank you for your compassion that you show forth towards us, Father. Thank you for your mercy, God. Lord, because we realize that, God, all of us should have been dead, sleeping in our graves, God. But, God, you spared us, Lord. Conversely, you did not spare your son, but you spared us, God. So for that, we say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I ask that you'll bless, Lord, those that are on our sick and our shut-in list, God. That, God, you'll touch each and every one of them, Heavenly Father, Lord. That, God, you know their ailments, Father. You know their illnesses, God. And so, God, we're asking right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, you would heal for your glory, Heavenly Father, Lord. God, heal that broken heart, Heavenly Father, Lord, that's still dealing with a loss of a loved one, God. Lord, we pray for Sister Odessa Willis, God. We're asking you, God, that you will just wrap her up in your love, God. That, God, you'll give her that sweet peace that she needs right now, Father. That, Father, you'll give her that blessed assurance, Heavenly Father, Lord, that she's going to see her son again, God. God, I'm asking right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, that not just her, but everyone that loved him, Heavenly Father, Lord. We pray for the Mangum family right now in the name of Jesus, in the passing of Dave Mangum. I pray right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would touch that wife, that widow, God. That you'll touch his children, Father. His father, his mother, his church family, Father. Touch now for your glory, God. 
Look upon us, Father. Because we need you, God. There's not a moment or an hour that we don't need you, God. We need you right now, Father. Lord, somebody is struggling right now with some issues, God. But God, fix it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Someone is dealing with difficult relationships, God. I'm asking you that you'll move right now in the name of Jesus. Someone has some financial issues, God. Touch right now for your glory, God. Let them know that you're their best financial planner, God. We pray for the lost, God. We dare not end without praying for the lost, God. Those who don't know you in the free pardon of their sins, God. Those that are still on their way to hell. We're asking, God, that you'll send someone that they might declare your word for them. God, we're praying that their hearts might be pricked, God. Because we realize that except you draw them, God, they can't even come to you, Lord. Touch our loved ones that are unsaved, God. Touch that unsaved husband, God, that unsaved wife, God. Touch those unsaved children, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, we're praying, God, right now, because you told us that we could. We come into your presence, Lord. Now, Father, bless us as we depart from this place. We go to our various destinations. We ask that you give us traveling mercy, God. We're asking, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would bless us, God, that we might be a blessing to someone else, God. God, I pray that we will leave here with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with somebody, God. We realize that that's our responsibility. So let us walk in it, Father. Touch those in hospitals, convalescent homes, those that are behind prison walls, God, in the name of Jesus, God. For your glory, God. We ask this. It is in the mighty and the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name. Let every heart say, Amen. Now may the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, may it rest, rule, and abide with us now, hence, and forevermore. Let every heart sing. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.